But before we bring them up to talk about things, I want us all to know that it isn't just these people who were involved in this. This was a congregational thing. So um, if you prayed for the Zimbabwe work and, wish and work and witness trip over the past two years, that was really hard. Would you guys stand if that was you, if you prayed uh, for the trip in some way, shape, or form over the past two years? Yeah. Um, if you uh, donated towards the trip in some way, shape, or form, uh, whether it was finances or you donated food for one of the potluck meals or those kinds of things, would you stand in some way if you participated? Yeah. See, as a congregation, we love missions, and we want to support and encourage that. So every single one of you, though you weren't physically present in Zimbabwe, were present in spirit and helped what you are about to hear come to fruition. So this is excellent. So uh, Jesus is clapping for you. You clap for yourself. All right. You guys can have a seat. Okay, now everybody can sit down. Now, apart from pure chaos in planning a work and witness trip, there has to be leadership. We have a missions council in this church that organizes and makes the details happen behind scenes because you guys show up and give and pray, but people behind the scenes have been filling out forms and making phone calls and doing the work that nobody else thinks about so that people can go on a missions trip. So could our missions council stand? We got, there we go. There's four in the back and one in the front, and the one in the front is our fearless president, Kathy. Would you give these folks a hand? Because two years, two years, a little over two years ago, yeah, two years ago, they had uh, just a burden on their heart for this mission trip. Two years of planning and praying and dreaming and coordinating with other churches, and it was a marvelous endeavor and we couldn't have done it apart from the leadership of this council so thank you guys for leading our church in this way um, to gather us together for one purpose and in it one direction God. yeah we amen prayed, yeah he said, do it, yep. And he did. yep and look at what he did because of it and we're going to get to hear some of that so um if you went to zimbabwe you know who you are would you please come and find a seat uh up here yeah Don't all fight to sit next to me. Don't anybody sit next to me. <laughs> no, just don't, I don't bite, so you can. And we'll have to share my a little bit. This is mine, because I'm the farthest away. Okay, and I'm, I'm Mike, so we can pass down microphones. Just, yeah, pass that one down. Everybody's Mike. Oh, everybody's Mike? Oh, everybody's got a mic. Well, look at that. Oh, no? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, so, so this is going to be a very casual kind of morning as we talk about what God did in Zimbabwe. I've got three questions, and we'll talk about them. Well, you'll talk about them. I'll ask them. Um, and you guys will share your experiences as you feel comfortable. Um, and uh, you guys can help each other fill in the gaps and, you know, encourage each other's memories and stuff like that. Um, but for those of you who aren't aware of who these folks are, uh, why don't we just start by name and... Um, I don't know, fun fact about you. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> you want me to start? Yes. Okay, hi, I'm Peter. Um, fun fact about me. Um, oh, I shouldn't have started with me. Um, I like the smell of sheep. What? 
Fun fact. <laughs> they smell good. I grew up on a sheep farm. It's a comforting smell. Wow. <laughs> Follow that one. I, that's a tough one. My name is Linda Ford, and um, I don't like the smell of sheep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Linda Monticello, and I guess I'm not really, really fun. Yes, you are. Caleb Boy and uh, I'm from Matlakella, which is uh, an island nearby. <laughs> I'm uh, Craig White, and I also pastor a church over in Ketchikan, the, the Matlakella Congregational Church. Although I am a member of this church, uh, on assignment from your church. Yeah. Over there. <sighs> All right. So, yeah. So these are the fearless folks who, when the church said, we're going to go to Zimbabwe, the Lord has laid it on our heart, they said, yes, we will go to a place we've not been before, to a people we've never met before, um, expecting the unexpected, uh, and we will take the light of Jesus with us and see what God will do if we will just but be obedient in the moment. Um, so uh, having been on a mission trip before, I know that what you plan for and expect doesn't always play out the way you think it's going to. Um, so let's start with the question, how were your expectations different than the realities? And it, it, that's kind of a broad, it could be anything, you know, from uh, just anything. How were expectations for you different than realities? Anybody? I'll start. <clears throat> First of all, um, thank you very much for the support that um, this congregation had and also for trusting me to basically represent this church. I've only been going to this church for a little over a year, <clears throat> and I've always wanted to go to Africa. And then when I saw in the bulletin that, oh, Africa, my husband does mission trip in the Philippines. So right away, I, I spoke on behalf of my husband and said, we're gonna go to Africa. So he came back and he said, he didn't want to go to Africa. <laughs> and so I got to thinking, well, I really wanted to go to Africa. Then I saw all the requirements shot this, shot that, and for those that don't know me, I'm a nurse, and I'm one of those nurses that really don't want a shot, so I really, it took me a while, and I know um, um, Hope is here, and said, you need to, you need to let us know, because, you know, we need to get this going, and I said, well, my husband isn't going to go, but you know what, by God's grace, I went, and I'm so happy I did. Know that, but it just confirmed how blessed we are. Okay, <laughs> I got a thousand. I also always wanted to dream of going to Africa. The first time I got to, I actually ended up having to put a, a metal hip in, and so I wasn't allowed to go. This is the second opportunity I ever had to go, and I'm so thankful. But expectations, um, be honest with you, I expected a toilet seat to sit on. I found out we didn't always get a toilet seat to sit on. <laughs> I also expected it as a place where there had been uh, working witness trips that have gone before. We were the very first working witness trip to show up there at Goshen Farms. 
and so it made a huge impact and so a lot of my expectations of showing up totally was changed uh, by uh, all the circumstances and situations that we saw. Yeah, I've got I've got pictures so you could just you know every couple of minutes show a different picture. Yeah. Okay, please. Uh, I had I had gone on a mission trip like two years before this one, and um, I knew things weren't going to go exactly as planned, but I didn't expect it to be this different than what I was expecting. We were going there to do a VBS and to build a house and. Out of all the thing, different things that we did, those were probably one of the less crazy, blessed stuff that God had allowed us to do. And we'll probably be sharing on those stories too. <laughs> and we also learned that the most important thing in life is make sure Linda gets coffee. This <laughs> <laughs> Linda, not this <laughs> Um, um, wow, I think the thing that um, was incredibly over the top for expectations for me was the group, the 19 or 20 of us, and I anticipated, expected that I'd probably be one of the oldest. I was not. I expected it was a construction, part of it was a construction trip. I expected there would be a lot of young healthy, robust men, not so much. Um, so what um, was incredibly over the top, greater than I could think, ask, or imagine, was the way this 20 people, older team, excluding uh, Gideon, Pastor Larry, one of the other big church's son, who's a teenager, and Caleb, who's a teenager, they aren't in the mix. But all of us were ranged from probably the mid to late 50s to close to 80. And everyone worked. And everyone did long days. No one spent a single day out sick. That's incredible yeah. in my history with missions trips. Um, everybody did the days. We got so much done with the building, and, and now that's finished. I just saw that. We didn't get that finished, but we accomplished everything, and I prayed for endurance. That's what I prayed for before I left was my endurance, and I watched God do greater than I could have ever anticipated on the group. The way we fit, the way we work, the things we accomplished, grace, grace. That was over the top for me. That's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 always a challenge when you uh, we we partnered with it was two other churches, right? Um, and so uh, teams from two other churches came together. You don't know these people. You don't know their personalities. And suddenly you're thrust in a already challenging environment culturally, um, language, food, no toilet seats, um, and and that stresses the best of anybody. Um, and then you know personalities and type. So it's it's. It's beautiful to see how God takes the people whom he called 
uh, and enabled them to do the work he's called them to do. Yeah. And the unique thing is about these are just, there's nothing spectacular about the people that came. These are just like you and me. Normal everyday people doing normal everyday tasks while they're there. And yet while we were there, we saw God bring together things in such unique ways. Um, just the first day. We thought we were spending most of the time building this, this building. That was the main focal point. And to be honest with you, is when we showed up there, um, the car master carpenter, I think you have a picture of him, him there, he, was, he had a very few tools. He had a hammer in which the hammer was halfway through the thing. The other one, when you went like this, it would fly off. <laughs> he had an old saw, and then we thought, you know how we build a roof? We could just take our crane and drop all these things in. They were building by hand, and their, their wood is not necessarily a two by four. A two by four could be a two by uh, uh, five and a half, a uh, two by three, and some of it's green. And it's all, they were hand sawing everything. But God brought together unique people because down in uh, Washington, we had a bunch of people that had built houses and done a few of those things, even though they weren't carpenters themselves. And they bought a whole pile of tools with them. I was amazed to see the tools they brought. They even bought, bought a rechargeable uh, uh, saw. You know, and I'm sitting there, and when we show up, it's all of a sudden, we had no idea, so we had all these tools that we could actually help on it. And be honest with you, hand sawing is a lot different than using the other thing. This guy knows he did an awful lot of sawing through that process. But the building itself, it seems like we didn't accomplish that much, but I guess we got it where it needed to be. But it was all those things around the building that was so impressive that uh, happened. And these ordinary people wouldn't be there if it wasn't for you guys. Yes. Uh, anything that wouldn't have happened wouldn't have happened if you guys weren't praying for it. You were not giving to it. Not only here, but down in uh, Vancouver where the other church is, and there was a small church in Idaho as well. And it was all these things that came together, and I saw more miracles happen at this VBS than any, I meant VBS, scary, this uh, mission trip than anyone I've ever been on. And uh, usually we do one or two things. There's menagerie stuff we do. Well, that was going to be my question was, um, for the folks you know that obviously didn't go, uh, we mentioned you know a VBS was kind of on the plan and the building of the house was on the plan, but I know you guys did a lot more than that. So, what other kinds of outreaches or things did you guys do on the mission trip? Um, we did eye clinic, and um, one of the um, people that was there is a um, optometrist, and he brought 860 reading glasses in a duffel bag. And when we got to the airport, um, we had to stay there for a while because they were questioning that quantity of their reading glasses. And it's like, who goes to Zimbabwe and bring 860 reading glasses? <laughs> so they, um, they wanted to know the value of the glasses because they wanted to tax it. And so they were like working with the um, immigration there. And by God's grace, we didn't get taxed. We got our um, duffel bag of 860 um, glasses, and when we went to um, start our our eye clinic, and I, I um, Linda and I did that, 
there was all those 860 glasses were in one piece. Wow. wow. I mean, it was incredible. There might have been like a couple, maybe 10, that the screws kind of like got loose, but the, the glass in itself was still intact. So that, in it, that was like incredible. And um, so we did, um, and you can pipe in anytime. We did two days in the, um, the farm itself, and I was fortunate enough that I got to go to the city of Harare to do um, eye clinic with the doctor in the church there. And um, we saw in one day 230 people. And their ages ranged from, like, um, from maybe 10 to 97. And uh, um, the, their eyes, when you give them these reading glasses, it's like, you know, the elderly most especially, it's like, wow, you know, they just light up. And um, as you know, my husband does, as I mentioned earlier, does um, mission work in the Philippines. And he hands out Bibles. So I was texting him and I said, oh my goodness, all these old people. It's just like, they were just like um, in awe that they could see. And he said, that's the biggest problem in the Philippines when he goes and gives out glasses to the old people. They can't see. And so that was a wow moment for me. And it's like, See, I had learned something on this that I can actually take back to other mission trips that the Lord will allow me to do. So that was, a, that was something that I could say I learned um, one, one thing there. But it was just amazing. Um, the, whole, the, the people are just, um, they're embracing of us and they just love us. And when um, we participate in some of their worship, it's like... Um, they're like enjoy their dancing their um it's just incredible and when you say like let's pray you know we close our eyes and then we pray everybody's praying and it's so loud and the first time i experienced that it's like are they speaking in tongues you know because it's all different language well it's not different languages but for us it sounded really different but that's just how much they love jesus it's just yeah and you're talking about the little kids you know, it's just incredible. And, and speaking of that part of it, that was one of the most special things, watching these people from um, babies came to the eye clinic. They wanted their, there was one lady with a brand new baby, and she wanted that baby's eyes to be checked, remember? Um, wakanaka, that's what I would say to them. Wakanaka, because, which means beautiful, because when they would come out of that room, um, and everyone would clap for them and they would just have the most incredible looks on their faces because they were looking at things for the first time in these glasses that I have pairs laying all over my house. I just lay them around. They have to match my clothes, some of you guys. <laughs> these are people that had no glasses. Some of them could see nothing and to watch them, the looks on their faces, the first time they looked through those glasses and we got to be a part of that was incredible. Just the most incredible thing. So I didn't even know ahead of time that we were gonna be doing that. So that was a, that was a very special thing, was the eye clinic. And, and other things we did, um, I, want, I wanted a couple on that too. At that eye clinic, where these two were working so hard with the doctor inside, 
David, the one who, the uh, pastor that initiated this, was outside t telling stories to people, and he had an interpreter there. And as he was telling these stories, they would all gather around a large group outside, and they had an inside group which they controlled to say who's going to be next that they're going to see. But at this outside group, David was talking to them outside, and he started telling stories. And after a while, he started telling stories. And then after a while, he was starting to preach. And by the time he got done outside, while they were inside working, 22 people accepted Jesus. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and that's because, uh, I have no questions, the prayer yes. and the faithfulness of, of God's people. No yes. Questions. And then the Jesus film, because you're going there. Talk about the Jesus film. Okay. Or, or, or. I was going to say, explain what the Jesus film is for folks that don't know. Oh, okay. I'll be honest with you. Do you know what the Jesus film is? It's one of those old Jesus films that we actually have seen on our TV that we have watched so often. They translated that in other languages. And this was translated in Shona, which is the language predominantly of the people. And so what they do is they show the Jesus film, the story of Jesus in their own language. And what we do is, in this case, is if we put it on the side of a wall, which was the outside of the, of the church, and we invited people, they would come from miles around, and they'd just sit down and be able to watch it. It's almost like an outdoor uh, theater type thing. The weather is wonderful there, by the way, folks. Uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, we thought we were in Hawaii. That's how nice the weather was. Okay. In the winter. In Hawaii in the winter. Winter, okay. <laughs> a lot, a lot of difference. Five degrees. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in, in the sense of that, too, so they showed it. The first time they showed it, they only showed half of it. Because once it got shelled, it says, you come back tomorrow night, and we'll show the other half. So that way they got the people to come on back in a larger group the second night. And there they started from the very beginning and they went all the way through to the very, very, very end. And when they got down to the end, it was so hard. It was dark out there, folks. You know, you don't have anything but, but that light going on. And when they did, they finally turned around and they said, okay, is there anybody here that has, is at a point in their lives where they want to accept Jesus? And 40 over 40 people. We weren't exactly sure. We know it was over 40 people counted and says, we want to accept Jesus and they accepted Jesus that night. And the pastor says, please pray for me. I need a lot of help to help follow up this kind of work. Right. So God was working in unique ways and that was just another little thing that we weren't planning on doing. We weren't planning on showing the Jesus film, but that actually was a great blessing in the evenings as well. Yeah. Another thing that we also did is we bought a bull. Um, you bought what? A bull. A bull. Yeah. Like a cow. Like a, <laughs> like, like a male cow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, check so, um, correct me if I get this story wrong. Um, so, we, there was, they had a herd of cattle, um, but they were all female. No, they were all steers. That means they they usually castrate the steer and raise it for the beef. Okay. Okay. So they're all steers, and they, without a male, they you wouldn't be able to keep the herd alive, and so they had a real a, a real need for a bull. And what happened was, let me clarify something before you go on. How many of you have ever been on a, a, a ranch? Okay, my uncles were beef The value of your herd is dependent on the bull. As a matter of fact, my relatives wouldn't, they wouldn't think anything of not spending $50,000 for a bull, okay, because that's the value of it. 
and here all they had the steers and they did have the females too but the, the truth is there is no way of reproducing that they'd buy them and grow grow them up so the value of a bull makes all the difference in the world and so there was two workers at a ranch that i'm not sure how far away it was but they had gotten glasses and they went back to their boss and the and they were able to read what the boss had written and the um he was in such shock about like all the, how these people had gotten glasses that he had drove driven down there and he ended up becoming uh, pretty close friends with a um a pastor from one of the churches and they had gone out to the um the ranch and they were um he came back and we discussed whether or not we would buy a bull from him and we decided um we would be able to come up with $1,500, and so we, um, he uh, offered that to the cattle guy, and he had said, um, it normally ranged from, was it 3,000 to 4,000? Oh, 5,000, okay. For a cheap one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, but he decided to let us have it for $1,500, so the all as provided that they set up fencing, which is something that they're working on. Um, so the church um, and the orphanage there had gotten a bull, which is was something that they extremely needed, and it was um, one of the higher quality bulls of the types. So that was a real blessing. It's like a self-sustaining then for their yes. their herd. Yes. So yeah. So what it, so what this farmer did? Now this is a, a from the a, a white rancher from the leftover from the colonial days, before the revolution down there, and he survived down there, and he provides the the premium bulls in the whole country. If in matter of fact, he has a guy that uh, does nothing but takes care of the bulls and treats them to where they become like little puppy dogs. They'll come up and rub on you and. And these are Brahma bulls, folks. And they're taught to be, and they're said they're really, really nice. So he has a guy that just trains that. And he has, when we came there, the reason we got involved with the livestock is that there's been a disease due to the ticks that have been wiping out the herds. Okay? And this guy on his herd in this huge uh, uh, acreage has never lost one bull because he knows how to handle things. And he also promised to be, to be in connection with the Goshen tribe, show them how to do that, take care of the bull until he's old enough to be able to work with it. But they says you have to build some fencing because without the fencing, you're got your bulls and your other animals will get into the other livestock and they'll die of the ticks and the fever as well. So that's something they're having to do, but he had promised to take care of them and teach them how to do that so they can now sustain a whole herd of cattle for the orphanages. That's that's phenomenal, and and because of glasses. Yeah, um, that's the, the connections that God made mm -hmm. that people couldn't have dreamed up um, is uh, mind blowing. So, um, two part question, and, and some of this we've already discussed just briefly. Um, what are some of the ways that you saw God move in a miraculous way that we haven't maybe already discussed? Um, what are some of the ways that God worked in you? Um, how, are, how are you different because of this trip? How has your faith <coughs> changed? 
I think for me personally, I think number one, I became a little more um, patient. And um, because it is really hard to uh, be around 19 people and um, I didn't know them. Um, I, I knew them, but we weren't like close friends that we would go out to, you know, dinner and stuff. So that um, I saw myself that, <clears throat> you know, no matter what, you know, you really have to humble yourself in situations and, um, and be accepting. But the one thing that really, really um, touched me is faith. I, I, I believe I have really strong faith. But you know, in the meals, um, I'm not speaking for them, but I'm speaking for me. Um, I would look at the meals and there were like more than 20 people because we had to also um, feed uh, um, the police, um, the policemen, police women, um, the sergeants that were there, and I would look how much um, was made. And um, for for those that know me, when we invite people over, I always make more because I would rather have more than not enough. And from my gauging of the food that was there, it didn't look like it was enough. And I was looking at um, the the people that were up in the room. And I felt that they needed more food than me. And you know what? That prevented me from really wanting more food because I wanted to be sure that the guys got a lot of food. But each meal, there was always left over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you just got to trust. Mm -hmm. So that was my take on it. For me, I've always felt I've grown up in the church and I've always been a part of the church. But when I went down there, the when they would do a song, they would have people come out and then be dancing all over the room. And they would it was just an, an amazing experience watching these people dance and it's um, for me it, it makes me want to try and be more participant in the church during just a variety of different activities that are done. Cool. So, by the way, the people that started out and would do the dances and write out them, they were the little old ladies. <laughs> and they got into it! And everybody else, and the little kids got into it. And so the services of all worship service started out with not just singing, but dancing. Uh, it was truly a celebration of the hearts. And that's what I what I saw. Um, I, I I want to share one thing that's so significant. Do you have a picture of all those kids? No, the the ones with the knife. That knife? No, the knife ones. It's uh, just a smaller group. Anyway, <clears throat> there we go. Um, now you probably don't know who those were, do you? No. No, you don't. <laughs> this is the most phenomenal thing. By, by the end of the week, uh, I mean, here we are uh, going back to our, our, our huts, you know, where sometimes they don't have power. Okay, sometimes they have generators going. Um, and when we showed up at uh, this one, is the, what we found out towards the end of the week is we had all the staff at this, uh, I guess we call it a hotel. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But they all came to the, the people in the church and they said, can you start a church here at the hotel? Oh, wow. wow. And I said, they said, you mean 
even though we were probably complaining about lack of toilet seats and, <laughs> and all the things else, you still saw something within it to where you actually asked us that. And so not only they came there and they asked us to start a church, these are some of the kids of the neighborhood that came for the same reason the next night and they sat down and we spent talking into the wee hours of the night with these kids and with their parents because they wanted a church and they saw an opportunity for them to be able to have something to minister to their families they were hungry for something of God mm -hmm. and so we did get together with the, the pastor from uh, the Goshen Farms and he's going to try to get a place there and they're trying to get it okay and so far the wife of the one that owns the place is okay and if they can do it without being charged they can start it right away so we need prayers that that church can be started because there's a whole community around it that that need the lord and so the fact is that the, here's one of those things where we're just sitting there and 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 god sending these people to us to try to initiate something and folks we're just like you are we're not somebody that is initiating or doing anything else or anything spectacular i meant we had uh, an uber driver with us we had a retired uh, we did, uh, airplane pilot. we did have a retired minister with us we had uh, a, a housewife uh, we had a costco worker uh, these are the kind of everyday person I mean, these were everyday people uh, and uh, this is what God is sending us to. The only difference is they all knew they needed to be there because God wanted them to be there. So it was nothing more than the faith of those people that came that were doing ordinary tasks and the whole host of everything that went in that created this phenomenon where we saw so many works of God through the whole thing. Um, I, I came away with um, a whole different perspective on the word endurance. Mm -hmm. I went there praying for physical endurance because I thought I would need that because of um, 13 years without going on a missions trip and some medical issues two years ago. And so I, I really thought I would need physical endurance. So it was kind of a self-centered prayer, if you will. It was all about me and my endurance. And what I came away with is a whole different perspective on the word endurance and uh, what that means. One of the, the last day that uh, we were there, we had two days to play. We worked, we talked about all the wonderful things we got to do uh, for kingdom work and the, and, and the reasons we went. Well, the last two days we got to go on a safari and we got to uh, go to Zimbabwe, uh, excuse me, Victoria Falls, gorgeous, gorgeous. But by the time we finished with all of that, um, I, for one, had uh, neck and shoulder pain, and my feet had black dirt that I couldn't get off. <laughs> yes. So the last day, while everyone else was out shopping, and I don't like to shop, um, I got a pedicure. <laughs> I got a back rub. But this lady right here, Harriet, I spent two hours with Harriet, talking about Harriet's endurance. I don't know endurance. I don't know what that means to endure what I endure until I take the time to listen to what somebody else 
calls endurance. And um, so I've come away with, um, I've, I've been reading about endurance in uh, the Bible. Matthew 10, 22 says that he that endures to the end shall be saved. And I think about my own life. I have different areas in my life, just like everybody else, that we're enduring because life is tough here. But he that endures to the end will be saved. And what I got from that is what we witnessed, what we worked through, the people God that God put in our past to do a pedicure or uh, that showed up at night and we didn't know they were going to come. The people that went with us and we got to, they became family, we got to hear their stories. And I think what I'm recognizing is this short, what does the Bible say, Pastor? This, this short and momentary affliction that we go through. Yeah. Uh, uh, provides a same Corinthians, uh, eternal weight of glory. Eternal yeah. weight of glory. This is just such a short. Yeah, light and momentary. Light and momentary. And yet when I'm in the middle of my enduring things, I think this is the biggest, uh, toughest. Nobody else could ever imagine this. And that's not true. So this got me out of me, and um, I'm still writing on that, and I'm loving that because if I will just do this, I'm getting ready to do that, if I <laughs> do that, and listen, everybody has a story everywhere, and if I will just listen, there are so many opportunities everywhere to witness in little tiny ways. Um, so that's what I hope I can ride on for a long time. Um, that's what I can claim. That's just a, an excellent segue here because I'm, I'm cautious of our time. But the, um, the overarching takeaway from what I just heard you say and a culmination of everything is that ordinary, everyday, regular people who were willing to be in a place that maybe they didn't expect uh, to hear people that they didn't expect to see or hear or be around provided opportunities because God was doing something through ordinary people and miraculous works um, for the glory of his name. That's kind of what I heard, um, which, which gives me hope, right, that we in Ketchikan don't, well, Phenomenal opportunities present themselves to go overseas, and maybe we should avail of ourselves of them when they arise. You can do exactly this here. Absolutely. Um, because when it comes to the mission of God, He doesn't just show up in Zimbabwe for that two week mission trip. He's actually working <laughs> everywhere all the time. Amen. Right? Amen. Which means that when you go to work uh, and there's someone in your path that you weren't expecting, it might be an opportunity to and listen to their story and love on them. Um, and so missions, uh, we see these elevated, highlighted experiences overseas that really drive home the point that this is something that happens everywhere through everyday, ordinary people like you and me. And I won't take that as an insult, you know, because I want to think that I'm special. Um, but we're ordinary people who can do extraordinary things when we are obedient to Jesus. Right. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, in the future we'll have more opportunities to go abroad when the Lord leads us in that direction. 
Um, and it's an opportunity, whether you stay or whether you go, to participate in the kingdom work of God um, and be reminded of that. So um, I want to thank you guys for sharing. I know for a fact we did not hear everything. Um, We're not telling everything. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Zimbabwe stays in Zimbabwe? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, I would encourage you guys, now that you know their faces and their names, Linda, Linda, Caleb, Craig, right? Um, to talk with them in the next coming weeks and months. It will do two things. One, it will continue to spur in them those experiences that they have so that they stay fresh and that they don't forget to live out of that new experience. But two, it will encourage you um, to live a life um, in this witness style because you are being encouraged by their testimony. And this is really the whole New Testament is all about uh, people sharing what they have experienced to encourage other people. You are seeing a demonstration of the New Testament played out, um, and you can participate in that. So I'd like to pray uh, a prayer of thanks, um, and then uh, we'll close in worship uh, and go on our ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose, right? Uh, Father, thank you um, for the testimonies that we have heard today. Um, going to Zimbabwe, preparing for specific things, and then doing things that are just drastically different than what you expect is exactly how you work. <laughs> um, we have plans and expectations, and you say that your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts, and in fact, they are so much richer and better than we could have ever hoped for. Um, thank you for the lives that uh, heard the gospel in Zimbabwe. Um, for the people who gave their hearts to you uh, that night at the um, at the Jesus film showing, and for those who gave their hearts to you at VBS, and for those who gave their hearts to you outside the eye clinic, and all of the other places that I know lives were changed, but we didn't quite hear about this morning, I pray you would confirm in their hearts and souls that you are their Savior, that their lives can be eternally different because of you, that they wouldn't um, fall away from the truth that they heard and held to so easily that night. I pray that churches would be planted, lives would be changed, generations would be affected um, because of the faithfulness of your people. Um, I pray for the pastor at Goshen Farm uh, as he leads this orphanage and the people who work there and the children that are growing up there, that they would be world changers because of the gospel foundation in their lives. Thank you for these testimonies to encourage us. Um, thank you that we can do exactly what they were doing, but we can do it here in Ketchikan. A missions field to its own right, where there's 14,000 people and maybe only 1,100 go to church on a Sunday. There are many people here that desperately need the love of Jesus. So give us opportunities to be missionaries in Ketchikan, um, to be encouraged by the stories we've heard, and to be strengthened by your Holy Spirit. We give you honor and glory, and I pray that you would continue to work in us and through us, here and wherever we find ourselves, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys may take a seat, unless you want to stand up here and sing and dance, which is totally right. acceptable. <laughs>